Pelican Project podcast. I'm Crystal. And I'm Kelly. We want to welcome you, invite you to pull up a chair, join us in conversation. Kelly, what do you have going on this week? Tell us about it. Well, Crystal, this is another busy week in the Tolman household. (laughs) I don't don't think that there's a week that's not. (laughs) No. I mean, there's always stuff going on. So somebody's always got something going on. Somebody. Yeah. I mean, Mia right now, she's playing on two soccer teams, which is great. And none of the games conflict. So it's just been like running from game to game and practice to practice all week. And then she was asked to be on the all-star team. So she's very excited about this. Um, She's really good at soccer. She's fast. She's good. Just to work on her confidence, but she's good, and um, she's her first all-star soccer soccer team set. But I was like, "Yes, you can do that. That's fine." But that means we're tracking three soccer teams, which seems grossly overboard. Luckily, it's only another like three weeks, and then then it'll all be over. The season's almost over. Okay, season's over. And then this weekend, I'm going to go to Savannah with my. I have the, I have the best neighbors. I am going to be so sad. They're actually, some of them are in PCS mode right now. That's why we're mm-hmm. all going to go. We're here. Savannah and they're packing up and I'm seriously like, there's two of us that are staying and we're just watching all the houses packing. Like don't leave. It's so cool. Like you, know, at the end of the day, all of us just walk out and sit in the middle of the cul-de-sac. There's a picnic table and overhang and the kids play and we just all yeah, it's just really nice. It's just wonderful human beings. And um, so we're going to go to Savannah, which will be great. And I think um, I'm really looking forward just to go to Mass at the Cathedral down there. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Father yeah. Shrek is the rector. Mm-hmm. And he was at your church forever. I worked for him when I was the secretary at St. Anne's. Well, yeah, he just, um, I just sort of missed him, really. Oh, As really? Going, yeah. Yeah, oh, I love him. Going until, like just yeah, there was it was changing over. I don't yeah, know. I heard wonderful things about him. Oh, he's such a he's a beautiful man. Um, I don't think people know this because we have a lot of priests that are. I mean, I wouldn't say younger. It's not like Father Shrek's old, but maybe a, a bit. He's more probably closer to my parents' age than us. Maybe I don't want to like guess his age, but. You know, we have a lot of priests that have been at St. Anne that have been more our age or even younger. We have mm-hmm. Father Jake, Father Winchell, Father Marius, and right. um, Father Brian, which have been wonderful because so many of these priests, like, or at least some of them I just named, are prior military. So they have been wonderful resources for, you know, um, St. Anne is right outside of Fort Binning. So wonderful resources for um, conversions for soldiers. Specifically, my husband, who was not Catholic, became Catholic and has a great relationship with a lot of these priests, clicked really well, you know, having them over dinner, always inviting them to different events. But it was actually Father Shrek that was responsible for um, Fred deciding, like, nope, I think I'm going to go to RCA. I want to do this. It was Father Shrek out of all of them. So, yeah. Well, I, I think that has something to do with that sort of older, more experienced, almost like father figure in a way. Yeah. Yeah. That's who, like, that's who I tended to like somebody who's going to teach me. And not that, not that they all don't teach you something in one way, shape or form, but I don't know, yeah. just that older sort of figure. There's a wisdom there. Like, yeah. and like I said, like if he was ever listening to this, which Father Shrek doesn't, but when I see him at the cathedral, I'll ask him. <laughs> but if he... 
when I was working for him, that's when I was coming back to the church. And I started to work at the church secret as the church secretary, because if I was working there full time, I was able to get a tuition discount off the school there and I couldn't afford it anyways. So I'm like, okay, if I'm going to be all in, we're going to be all in. I baptized my kids, put them in Catholic school, started working in a church. Like everything happened very quickly. I just remember watching him and he was, he's a quiet man, but there were so many times where people would come to the door of the church office. And we had it locked because we had a lot of transient that would just kind of walk in. And there was a there was a few really uncomfortable, scary situations, and which forced us to have to lock the door. But we always opened it to everybody. But we had that ability to keep ourselves safe because sometimes I was in there by myself. And um, he would quietly, and I would just watch him, quietly be the most generous man just out of his own food, um, you know, helping with people's prescriptions. And he quietly did it. And if you weren't like being nosy, like Kelly Tolman is, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know. And I just remember being like, oh my gosh, there's truly like the right hand, not knowing what the left hand is doing in terms of, um, almsgiving. He's just a very generous and he would come down at the end of the day on like a Friday or end of the work day. And he would have like cheese and a bottle of wine. He'd be like, let's just do this. Let's just try this new wine I have. And ha- and he would, it would always be, he would always just be giving. Yeah. Just giving to the people who worked with him. And he was just, he's a wonderful man. So I'd be excited to say hi if he's saying mass. Awesome. No, that's great. I always heard nothing but wonderful things about him. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous, man. Awesome. So this week we are in the month of May. And we are taking on quite, quite the subject matter for actually May and June, but. Which is funny because it it really shouldn't be a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal. This should be. Totally normal. Totally normal, everyday information, but we have come to the point where it has to be addressed. We are going to um, talk this week about what it is to be a girl. Bum, bum, bum. Right. What it means to be a girl. Right. Insert stress hormones. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. And um, I'm going to share this story. I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to. Um, there was, we're pretty online. I don't like to, we don't like to post things that are antagonistic at all. Um, it's just not the space for it. It's not the way, like I am a, sarcasm is my love language, but it's only when people know me, I do not want to send things off into the world, but people may misinterpret me being sassy and snippy and and cold because that's, I don't think that's who I am. And that's not how I'd like to represent the Pelican project. Um, of course. Yeah. Same. So, um, I did post something, you know, a few weeks ago that made me in hindsight, no, I'd still post it. Um, there was a man, a transgender man, and I'm just going to put this out there. We might not be politically correct when it comes to all that verbiage because I really just don't understand if you're transgender, you know, like I'm going to misspeak a little bit, but that's fine because that's they understand fine. what you're saying. They understand what I'm saying. So there was a man who um, competed in a uh, beauty contest as a girl trans woman, I suppose that would be called, and in one in Nevada. And um, there was a meme that was that wrote, you know, 
the irony of this very progressive, um, because you know you would think in that very progressive type conversation, this um, you know bra burning feminism. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is what are we saying? It's bringing back a a sort of superficial patriarchy of men can do everything better than girls, including being a woman. You know, and and it was it's just it's sad that you know that's where we are. We all know it. We don't have to like muddle through all the details. We get it. We know it. We're struggling in it. But as an adult looking at that, you know, I posted that and I just said, you know, this is one of the messages that we're sending. I have three daughters. You have a daughter. This is important and and a son. These are important conversations we have to be having with our kids. We have to give them the lens by which they have to understand and kind of weed through the culture's perspective. Um, and I had somebody post on my Facebook, it, it, you know, pretty much a family member, somebody who I love and we grow up with, you know, like love is love and God tells us not to judge and, you know, all of these things. And I just looked at it and I thought, you know, this is where we are. Like this, me just posting that this is a dangerous message to be sending to the world was hit with. I'm judgmental. I'm ignorant. I'm a bigot. You know, wow, that's crazy. And this is somebody who I would think knows me better, you know, and, and to her credit, it was it was kind. And so I really felt like it was a responsibility of mine to at least just respond with clarity, even though I don't think Facebook is ever a place where any arguments are won or really should be waged, but regardless. And it was really about the reality that there is objective truth in terms of gender, period. And our job to love our neighbor and our job to love anybody who might be suffering with gender confusion, um, which on the surface, it could be, you know, gender confusion could be a, you know, a struggle just with, with wounds and confusion about who God created them to be. And then on the spectrum, it could get very quite, quite severe. And we end up into like a mental illness area. You know, there's a whole, whole spectrum of where you could fall when you're just really questioning who you are. And sometimes it's normal. Like, huh, who am I? I, you know, like, that's okay. Those are important questions, but you're the people who love you have to ground you in the truth of saying like, well, let's start with who God created you to be. And who God created you to be is either male or female, period. We know this because, you know, not only is it in scripture, but we know this because God reveals himself through his word, but also through science. And science tells us that we are either male or female, period. So, you know, in just being able to communicate with um, that to my friend online and saying like, our job to love our neighbor does not mean that we have to um, be tolerant of chaos and confusion. It means that if we're loving our neighbor, we are willing the absolute best for them. And if we're willing the absolute best for them, then we want them to find rest and peace and comfort and joy in the gender that they were given because we're given our gender. We don't get to choose it. And God has such an incredible plan for our gender that starts at the very beginning. Like in Genesis, it says we are created as male and female. It didn't have to be very specific about that, but it was. 
So as Christians, we need to take note. And then the beautiful thing about scripture and the word is as it's unfolded throughout the years, you got 2000 years of um, history and science and, and just the, the progress we've made in all of those areas. All of these things in the Bible are become more concrete because under a microscope, we acknowledge, oh yeah, what they wrote in Genesis is real. And I can see that under a microscope that wasn't invented until thousands of years later. You know what I mean? So um, it proves it. Yeah, it just proves it. So I, I just really felt like it was necessary to kind of say like, no, uh, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay with men posing as women and, and the entire culture having to applaud that. And as I'm raising young girls, like I just talked about Mia with soccer. It's going to be very difficult for her as she gets older to play on all girls soccer teams if she then has to also comp compete against biological males on female soccer teams. It's going to be hard. So, um, you know, women's sports is, you know, and that that's not the conversation we're having. But if anyone's listening, they have all these things swimming around in their head. So what we want to do for all of May is we want to kind of break it up and we want to have like... Today, Crystal is going to read through the way we have defined as the Pelican Project what it means to be a girl. And we're going to unpack some of those statements in a very succinct way. And then next week, we're going to hit on individual facets of that. And so it's going to be a very organized, um, beautiful conversation just to keep things very simple because it is it is simple. It Not only is it simple, but it's stunningly beautiful. Um so Crystal, would you like to, when I we will. define what it means to be a girl, this is not only going to be in our Prager serve that you can go find on our website where we kind of unpack it for adults, but it's on our Prager serve that we have for kids. For kids, right. So you're going to be able to sit with your kiddo and talk and, and explain to your sons and daughters what it means to be a girl. So what is a woman? A simple question, as Kelly said, with a stunningly beautiful answer. She is a human person, body and soul, who, body and soul, who is created in God's image and likeness and given the supernatural gift to make room within herself for another to flourish. Yes. She so, well, let's start there. Okay. Yes. So very simply, what is a girl? A girl is a human person. I think that matters. We have some crazy conversations in today's culture about I identify as a hawk or a, a panda bear or something, you know, she's a human person. Every human person is created as body and soul. So you are not female because your biology says you are female only. You are female in a complete body and soul union. So to a degree, because your soul is um, in union with your body, you as one are feminine, period. It goes deeper than your physical biology. Um, and made in God's image and likeness, there's a part of your femininity that is able to reveal who God is in a way that the masculine cannot. Because like theology of the body explains to us, we have the masculine reveals who God is, we have the feminine reveals who God is. And together, when masculine and feminine feminine come together in union with one another, they become an even more perfect image of revealing who the creator is. And then we are given the supernatural gift to make room within ourselves, women, for another to flourish. 
And we're going to spend a lot of time on this particular piece of the definition of a woman throughout the next few weeks. But really what differentiates us, and this is going to be the common thread, is our maternity. And our maternity has nothing, I mean, yes, a part of it is being able to conceive and bear children, but it's not... Um, it's not just that. There are many women who are spiritual mothers, those who go into religious life that live this beautiful um, uh, gift of of maternity and in the spiritual motherhood because we were created, I think Edith Stein says it, a woman is created as a soul in which, um, a shelter in which other souls can unfold. I mean, truly beautiful. We We are created to do this in a way that men just aren't. And then obviously women who have babies do this in a very physical way. She imitates Christ as priest, prophet, and king from the depths of her heart. She is drawn to first do with her heart what man is drawn to first do with his hands. Yeah, I love this part. Um, We're going to spend a whole entire podcast. I don't know if it's the next one, but on what it, how the woman actually lives out the offices of priest, prophet, and king. Um, and that is different, some the same, but different than that of a man. But the reality is, is if we look to Our Lady and Joseph, um, Our Lady and St. Joseph, we're able to kind of really see this one. She is drawn to do first with her heart, what a man is drawn first to do with his hands. And so when Our Lady gave her fiat, that was an internal movement of, um, of her intellect and will. It was knowing God and choosing God. And she made that movement first within her heart. And Joseph kind of responds with his vocation of fatherhood as that protector. And then he he moves into that role. He internalizes that role over time. You know, over time, I say, it was, it was probably quite immediate, but it is, um, you know, it's kind of like we we often say, I think it's incorrect to say that a you know a father becomes a father when the baby's born, but a mother becomes a mother at conception. That is incorrect. All all conceived babies, obviously, fatherhood begins in the womb. However, I think people say that as just sort of a way of saying, like, as women, as mothers, we know our children in a really um, interior way before we even have the gift and joy of seeing their face. Um, Where fathers, they don't experience their unborn child in that way. And it becomes very like, they kind of become doers, you know, around the periphery of, of that pregnant woman. And so that's just an example of kind of what we're saying here. She is drawn first to do with her heart, that internal fiat, what man is drawn first to do with his hands. She is a place in the created world where love first takes root. She is the yeah. passage through which all human life moves. It is within her that God has chosen to breathe life and entrust his most precious gifts. Love it. She is the place in the created world where love first takes root. I mean, it is, if we just want to talk about the biology of it, when a man and a woman come together and conceive new life, it first takes root within, within her period. And God, God chose it to be her. And no matter what a man does or to, um, you know, if he feels like he's a woman 
and he wants to, you know, have surgery to resemble a woman and mimic body body parts of a woman. We are so much more than the than the physical outward appearance of who we are. Love first takes root. Like the spilling over of a husband and wife, their love comes together, you know, the father and the son and the holy spirit. That first takes root within a woman. And it can never and will never take root within a man because God has decided that's how it's going to be. And there's there's never been a human person that is well, – was, this is actually funny. I was talking about this at a confirmation class. I was talking about gender and I was like, think about it. There's never been a human person that has ever come into this world without first going through the womb of a woman, period. And one of my kids raises his hand and goes, how about Adam and Eve? I was like, put your hand down. <laughs> Okay, you got me there. Like, but Marty pants. Yes, thank you for thinking about that, my friend. But he he was understanding what we were, and then we talked about you know the the silly question: Why does Adam Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Hardy hard, right? Yes, <laughs> got you. Oh, <laughs> uh, she is complimentary to he. To be a she cannot be chosen. It cannot be given back. It cannot be changed. To be created as a she is a gift that you either receive or you don't. Yeah. There's not a whole lot to unpack there. And, and I think here's here's the take home and here's what I'm praying will happen throughout this month of May as we're talking about what it means to be a girl and womanhood and God's design for the feminine. It is a gift. I think sometimes, you know, this culture we have this concept of if we want it, it's a right. It is not a right to choose your gender. It is a gift that you have been given. And I think you said it best, Crystal, when you were talking about um, Dylan Mulvaney, you know, God bless that person who is on the struggle bus. And really, I can't imagine the pressure now on all his eyes. shoulders, all eyes, are on him. all eyes are on him. So he had like anything he goes through now is going to be very public. And I can only imagine there's going to be a lot emotionally. He will continue to go through. But the reality is, is like you said, he is, he has become a caricature of a female who females are, are not lipstick and shopping. He's, it's a it's a caricature of what the reality of what the feminine is. It can simply not be chosen because you cannot be a woman. You cannot do the things that women were designed to do. And by the same token, I cannot be a man. Like I just can't. And and there's you know there's a masculine genius that we're going to talk about next month in June. That oh my gosh, we need to spend so much time talking about the the gift of masculinity, but. Right now, the reality is, is that to be a girl is a gift and we need to let our young ones know it's okay if your little one, if your little girl is playing with trucks and in GI Joe men and wants to get dirty outside and not put on dresses inside. Um, my daughters do that. My daughters have no, some of my daughters have absolutely no interest in all the girly girl stuff. It doesn't mean they're a boy. And it they're, doesn't mean that if a boy wants to play with Barbie for an afternoon that there's something that if he likes the color pink or he's fascinated with, you know, how mom dresses or something that's, that's kind of normal as a little child. And I, I mean, when you think about the stereotypes that you're playing into there, yeah, you know, that, that, that's not, that's, that's not okay either. 
I mean, 100% when you're affirming like a binary gender system, you are saying, well, if my boy plays with the color pink and wants to, you know, put on a tiara, that must mean he's a girl. Like that's buying into this binary system, which I mean, it is a binary system, but I mean, it, it kind of is trying to present itself as very progressive and open and everything so fluid and organic. Okay. The reality is, is you saying, because your child likes pink, he might be a girl. How about your, your, your son just likes the color pink. My son loved the color pink. He had a pink bow tie. He, he was always somebody who wanted his hair done a certain way. And he always, he was all into that stuff, but he is, you know, he is my son, my son, Nicholas. And, you know, so there's just so much to be said here. So I think just the takeaway here is if you want to go on our website, pelicanprojectministry.org, this week, our weekly devotion gives this breakdown that Crystal just read and take time with your children and as a family, um, have your husband or your wife, whoever's listening, sit down with you and have this conversation with your kids not as like an instructional time of, Hey, if you're confused, like this is as a time of being like, Hey, look at how cool, look at how beautiful God created the woman, you know, a girl, you're a little girl or, or, you know, as a son, like, this is what a little girl is. You know, you have cousins, you, this is your mom. This is who God created your mom to be. Like, there's so many applications for this conversation, but it has to happen because your kids have to find confidence in standing up for this objective truth period. Because if they don't, then the confusion and all the crazy things that the culture is saying, they're gonna, they're going to believe because they have no foundation otherwise. So you have to give it to them. Absolutely. And this is something that has permeated everything, in my opinion. It's everywhere. And you, it's one of those things where you need to make sure that you're addressing it as soon as you can because the culture is addressing it for you. Yes. Your kids have questions and that's okay. God's not scared of their questions. You can't be either. Absolutely. And I, I just want to, um, so in our Pray, Grow, Serve, we have a little pr- uh, prayer intention that I'd like us to ask to, to um, pray on this week. And it's this week, tell God how much you love him every day. Ask him to help you love the son or daughter he created you to be as much as he loves you. Yes. I love that. It's beautiful. And it's all, you know, we said this in the beginning, when you present our faith as a set of rules, it's going to be received as a set of rules to be kind of belabored with. But if you present our faith as the beautiful, um, yes, that it is this yes to, yeah, be all who God created you to be because he created you so incredibly precisely and intricate. And he has such huge plans for you and you are meant for eternity and your femininity or your masculinity or however he created you. I mean, that's something that your kids can really rest in and celebrate and find freedom in and explore. And that's how you want to present the faith to our kids. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's that. We'll, we'll see you next week for another conversation about what it means to be a girl. In our prayers, friends, please keep us in your prayers. Until next time.